0: Ratchet Book Club, Hood Classics, Good Classics, you, Me, and the Goddamn Cartel. I'm Derek. 916 633 1537 Ratchet and Ratchet at Gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. My wife asked me a um I, I call it a FAQs. Frequently asked questions of what I get whenever I start up the cartel. Do I think it's gonna be different this time? That's the question. The answer is ha ha ha. Uh, do I think that they may have slowed down and actually taken time out to think about the women in the book or how they're portraying the women in the book and the answer
1: is
0: (laughs) do I think they might have taken time out to get a new editor five books in to get better writing done and I'm like are you fucking serious are you serious right now this is the cartel people we are not in this for education we are not in this for uh good writing we are not in this for enjoyment really this is literally the timeshare of books and we're in this for at least 10 rotations who signed us up for this i'm not quite sure all i know is that now i'm sitting in the front room of a Two bedroom that doesn't have any air conditioning and all they provided me was a refrigerator and a wilted pineapple. That's where we are right now. Before I even begin this book, leave reviews and donations. I'm going to deserve both. The last time we checked off, all, y'all heard the quote marks, right? All of the men of the cartel had died in a plane crash. And the women who they have maligned all these books, one got shot in the head. That was Lena. One got mutilated, had a dream sequence, came back, got sexually assaulted, got mutilated again, and then allegedly got murdered, then came back to life. That was Mia Moore. One got fucked over in every way possible that a book can fuck somebody over. That was Breeze. And you're going to tell me that they're going to let these ladies run a book. We trust them now. Like y'all wouldn't, if, if y'all if y'all wrote a book for these three ladies, you try and get them murdered in the first four pages. Or, it would open up with one of them having sex with somebody so they could murder them. Because that's how the, the new cartel ladies get down. They fuck their way to the top. And they murder their way to excellence. And isn't Bree still a junkie? Like, we can brush off a lot of shit. A lot, a lot of shit. But what you can't brush off was the fact that they were literally force-feeding her heroin three times a day for a good six months. Isn't she a junkie? Why is she back to normal? Why did she go to like one day of rehab and then come out like fucking Amy Winehouse? They tried to make me go to rehab. and Actually, she didn't say no, no, no. Her brothers said no because none of them niggas believe in hospitals or rehab or doctors or anything other than the power of family. This is literally the book version of the fucking Fast and the Furious. The brothers, the boys, the guys, whatever. Carter. Young Carter. God, it's amazing how easily I fell right back into doing that. Young Carter. Money. And whatever the other nigga's name is. They'll be back. I'd say like four chapters in, we'll find out they're alive on the fucking Bermuda Triangle. Living their best life. I don't know what fucking chaos has happened in the time that they wrote this goddamn book but in the last one they made sure the breeze got caught up in a fucking hurricane that took out Haiti oh I'm sorry that was the one before that one that was when she got hooked on heroin and became a, a, a sex worker against her will she became trafficked god damn this book god damn this series God damn this time, sure. Back to the cartel, ladies and gentlemen. Chapter 5. Book 5. Doesn't have an underground name for it. It's probably like The Takeover. Because Jay-Z was probably out and about at that time. So we'll just call it for shits and giggles. The Cartel 5. The Takeover. You know they hold diamonds in the air, right? You know they do that. All of this shit is taken directly from Jay-Z's life. The diamond, you know, the dynasty, the cartel. We running this shit and now the takeover, which I just made up, but I just figure it fucking works. It is stunningly scary how easily I fall back into fucking hating these books. Like, I did children's books that were great. I did horror books that were great. I did storytellers that were great. And now I'm right back on my bullshit. It's like going on a, a a month-long vacation and then coming back to work and realizing the first minute you step back in the office that you fucking hate your job. And that your boss can eat a dick. This book can eat a dick. Chapter one. I've been to a funeral where there was a body but no death. Mia Moore. God damn it. We didn't even make it past chapter one. Lost in the morning sky. Carter was silent. Oh, this is going to be one of those recap chapters, isn't it? Fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay, let me see how much of this shit. (sighs) I was seeing if I could just put a whole fucking tape recording in. There's some bullshit. Lost in the morning sky. Carter was silent as he stared out of the window his mind full of a million thoughts, and his heart conflicted. The billows of white clouds gave him a sense of serenity. At 30,000 feet in the air, he felt as if nothing could touch him. Fuck a fed. He was flying high. No case could bring him crashing to the ground, or so he hoped. Running from a fight wasn't really Carter's style, but things that happened so quickly, he didn't have a choice. If he and his brothers had stayed in Miami, they will be in federal custody right now. He needed time to make those problems disappear. His mind drifted to Mia Moore and his newborn son. Oh, right, because he also didn't want to fuck with Mia Moore because he thought that she had aborted his child. And then when he showed up at the hospital and found out the baby was born, he went straight from I'm going to kill the bitch to I love you so much. You'll never know what went through my mind. You don't know how it feels. Guilt ridden by a sudden departure, he tortured himself with the fact that he wouldn't be around to take care of the ones he loved. He didn't know how long he would have to stay away, and it killed him that he wouldn't be around to get to know the life that he had created. He wouldn't be there to see Mia Moore transform into the woman she was born to be. God damn it, it's too early for this shit. Like literally, it's too early and it's too early. It's only 11.32 in the morning. I have not yet eaten enough food to deal with the misogyny that's about to hit me in this goddamn book. I have forgotten. How do you know what woman she's supposed to be? I know a woman I would hope somebody would become, but that don't mean they going to do it. Become the woman she was supposed to be. Suck my ass. He had confidence that she would be a great mother, but to see her playing the role that every woman was made for. <laughs> He had confidence that she would be a great mother, but to see her playing the role that every woman was made for would have made his heart loyal to her forever. He was missing all of that and it left him with a disgruntled soul. They were halfway across the Atlantic as a private jet ate away at the distance between the States and Bermuda. They were out of U.S. airspace, so they were safe. Their escape had been executed flawlessly. He just hated that they had left their families behind. He was confident that Mia Moore could handle herself in his absence. Unlike Breeze and Lena, she knew the game. Mia Moore would be just fine until he returned. Of that much, he was certain. Carter looked over at Monroe and Zaire. Right, that's that nigga's name, Zaire. Grateful for his right and left hand. Although they had been at odds, There was nothing like a common enemy to make men come together. I know y'all have a common enemy, but are we really going to go out of our way to call money your right hand man now? Are we? The nigga literally shot at your house. Are we ever going to confront that issue? He shot up your goddamn house. I don't care if it's my brother. He. My brother shot me with a BB gun once. And it was on on site for the next three days. Like it was war in that house. Shit was broken. Lives were lost. Lives weren't lost. But you know they could have been. Like seriously we're a little bit older. And we had guns. Luckily we was on like. 10 and 12 and shit. But the nigga shot me. He didn't mean to he said. But I got shot. Anyhow. If my brother shoots up my house at that point in time, we're not going to chop it up over a box of Papa John's pizza and a beer. We're not going to hash it out because you got to go because, you know, um, they're they're, they're setting up a sting against you. Nigga, you going to. Fuck that nigga. He shot at my house. The federal case against them was enough to make them put their differences aside for the time being. Carter only prayed that the peace lasted because if he had to choose between the two of them, even he couldn't call how it would turn out. Let me look at this real quick. One of these niggas has been with you his entire life. You've basically raised him from a youngin into the man that he is now. He's married to your sister, he loves you like a brother, he's never betrayed you, he knew when Ace was betraying you, he's overall a good dude, and, which is most important to this black ass book, he can read, which means that he can teach your sister the power of reading, which he did, which probably is the reason why she's not a junkie now, because the books formed a force field. The other nigga shot up your house. Let's really think about these things, but not too long. You don't get too much time on this shit. You can't call how it would turn out. Nigga, you shot up your house. Everything good? Zaire asked, noticing the wrinkled brow of his mentor. He knew that whenever Carter grew silent and his eyes grew distant, there was something in the air. Carter pinched his chin as he rested his elbow against the armrest. He rubbed his 5 o'clock shadow as he nodded his head. We left something undone, Zaire stated knowingly. Carter didn't have to disclose his thoughts in order for Zaire to know what was wrong. The women. Carter confirmed with a nod, still deep in thought. Zaire sat up in the leather seat and rested his elbows on his knees as he rubbed his hands together. They don't know anything. They can't be touched. Monroe interjected. That don't mean shit. The fans will catch him up with Rico. Just from spending the money, they can build the case against all of them. Then what? Little money ends up where? Little Carter goes to who? Fuck, now we got young Carter and we got little Carter. This is some bullshit. There's no more family left. We all we got. CMB, we all we got. Nigga, you shot up my house. If the feds go after the ladies, the case won't stick, Carter said. I know Mia Moore. She'll handle it, and I'll a the bank account full of money with the lawyers. Nothing will happen to them. They're protected. I hope you're sure, Monroe said. I am, brother. I am, brother, Carter confirmed. Zaire raised his head. Is there a chance we could go back? He had left without a goodbye, without warning. One moment he was with Breeze, the next he was not. He had done so many things that he had yet to apologize for and still had so many I love you's that he wanted to express to her. And I want to know what the fuck happened to the girl who shot her up with heroin in the first place. After she was, Yesenia? The The fuck was her name? Ileana. Her name was Ileana. Oh, and by the way, the name of the book is La Bella Mafia. The Cartel Five. La Bella Mafia. Don't get excited by that because the last time they called it the Tell of the Murder Mamas, they gave the Murder Mamas literally two chapters and it was a goddamn dream sequence. I don't know, Carter admitted. Right now, this brotherhood here, he pointed between the three of them. This is all we have. This is the family that we can rely on. We left Lena, Breeze, and Mia Moore with enough money to last a few lifetimes. Did they kill Ileana? Like, I know that Breeze had said, do it, and then walked away. But they never spoke on her again. That that was some weird shit. The feds took some of it, but there's so much more that they'll never trace. Our families are set. They will survive. Mia Moore is a shooter with a reputation behind her. Niggas won't run up on her without thinking twice. She could hold down the cartel. They're safe. The question is, are we? The Fed case is solid, Monroe said dismally. If we get caught, we can't get caught, Carter said with finality. He stood and walked up to the captain's cabin. The middle-aged white man had large headphones on his head and aviator shades covering his eyes. He focused intently on the sky before him. The serene look on his face was understandable. As Carter looked out the front window, he realized that the pilot had the best view. Nothing but white clouds filled his vision. It was easy to get lost in the sky, and Carter stood mesmerized for a moment by the incredible sight. Bitch, it's the same sight you get if you looked out the fucking window. It's clouds, my nigga. It's not like in front of you there's clouds, and to the left there are the fucking McDonald's. It's in the sky. There's all clouds. It was one that not many people got to see, unless they looked out the fucking window. Then they got to see it all the fucking time. People fight for those seats so they can see the sight that the captain got to see. You know why the captain sits in the front? Because he's driving the fucking plane, bitch. He placed a hand on the captain's shoulder. It's time, he announced. Turn off all communication. As far as the government's concerned, this plane should drop out of the sky. We're all dead to the world from this moment forward. You do understand that you can never go back to the States, he grilled. I understand. A million dollars is enough to make a new life somewhere else, the pilot responded. Good, Carter said. He gave the pilot a pat on the back and then watched as the man made the flight disappear from airspace. See, didn't even take a chapter. Like, first few moments, we know the niggas are still alive. The ocean below them sparkled many shades of blue and turquoise as a plane descended out of the sky. They arrived in paradise as the plane's wheels touched the ground with a gentle thud. The cabin rocked slightly as the pilot slowed and taxied to a stop on the private clearport. The three men emerged, suited and unscathed as if escaping federal custody was a simple feat. When the federal scope fell upon most empires, it fell instantly, but the cartel would survive. Carter was smart. He had prepared himself for the scrutiny. It was his ability to foresee the government's attack that had allowed him to elude it. Carter shrugged on his suit jacket as he frowned from the bright sun that shined in his eyes. A titanium briefcase was gripped tightly in his hand. The three men stood at the bottom of the steps and waited for the pilot to exit. Safe and sound in Bermuda, just like I promised you boys. Now, where's my million dollars? He said as his face pulled outward in a wide, gap-filled smile. He was already spending the money in his head. His greedy palms couldn't wait to feel the tax-free dollars flipping through his fingers. Carter passed the man the briefcase and shook his hand firmly. Stay out of the states. Go anywhere but there, Carter instructed. You got it. You're the boss, the pilot responded. Carter nodded at the warehouse that sat adjacent to the airstrip. There's a mechanic waiting inside there. He'll get you refilled and make sure you're good before you take off. Take off? I thought Bermuda was the final destination, he asked. It's our final destination. You'll be going elsewhere, Carter answered sternly. The pilot nodded in reluctant understanding as Carter, Zaire, and Monroe walked away. I mean, what did he think he meant when he said you can go anywhere but back to the States? Like you could still be a pilot? No, bitch, you're dead too. We all dead. We all float down here. They looked like the mafiosos. as they strutted powerfully across the Clearport in their expensive Italian suits. Let's talk again about Jay Z. You call it the airport. We call it the Clearport. Y'all see what I see? No, my wife sees it. So, y'all, it's okay. Y'all gonna catch up. Anyhow. You know he's going to go back to Miami, right? Monroe stated. There's no telling who he's going to run his mouth to. We need to dead that nigga. He'll never make it. The mechanic is going to make sure of it. The feds will find the plane at the bottom of the ocean, assuming that we were on it, Carter replied. He wiped his nose arrogantly, feeling no remorse for double-crossing the pilot. He knew that the man would not be able to resist return to Miami. He had just come into a million dollars. He wouldn't want to be rich alone. He would want to share it with the people who knew him. Who the fuck does that? If you gave me a million dollars in a tax-free country, you know what I got? A million dollars in a tax-free country. Hey, 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 you know what? I would call my wife and be like, baby, don't pack shit. Just hop on a plane and come to Bermuda. And that would be that. The kids, they grown. Oh, the other one? Yeah, I don't know. He just had to study abroad for a couple years. Cuz when my wife got there, I'd be studying abroad. I said too much. There was no point in getting money if you couldn't floss in front of the people that you were once broke in front of. The fuck? He would disobey Carter's orders and surely attempt to return to Miami. Unfortunately for him, Carter had anticipated this. The men would be halfway across the Atlantic Ocean when the engines on his plane gave out. It was cold-blooded, but the men couldn't afford any slip-ups. The pilot was a casualty to the game. No one, not one witness to their escape could remain alive. No one needed to live to tell the story of how they had evaded the law. A black, tinted Escalade pulled up directly in front of them and two Arab men with dark suits inside. Zaire instantly reached in his waistline, but Carter grabbed his wrist, halting him. They're allies, he informed. Polo arranged for us to hide out in Saudi Arabia. We'll be safe there. The Middle East? That's not an easy move, bro. We don't have friends there. We don't speak the language. This is the plan? Monroe protested unsurely. Your father. Carter paused. Our father had friends there. He put in work that's protecting us today. We will be well taken care of. It's our only play right now, unless you have a better idea. We can't stay in Bermuda. The Caribbean will be the first place that the feds look. It's too predictable. The way you talking, we ain't never going back, Zaire interjected solemnly. My lady's in Miami. You have a new baby in Miami. Little nephew is there. What about family? Monroe finished for Zaire. Zaire shook his head unsurely. I'm not going to leave her unprotected, fam. You're talking about letting them think we're dead, Zaire stated. The thought of never seeing Breeze's face again or hearing the sweet tone of her voice sickened him. He knew what his death would do to her. She would crumble. Carter sighed in frustration. Look, I would like to move as a unit, but we're all grown men. "'I'm going to Saudi, but if this is where the road separates for the three of us, I understand. "'I'm not worried about Mia Moore. I know her. "'She's more than capable of holding things down while I'm away. "'Until I can get word to her that we're safe, "'the girls will just have to go through the pain of our loss. "'Eyes are on them right now anyway. Their grief will make it look real.' "'If Zaire could think of any other solution, he would have offered it. "'The situation was just bad from all angles.' Zaire may not like the plan, but he trusted Carter with his life. It was time for loyalty to kick in. Everyone in the crew couldn't be chief. It was Zaire's turn to take the back seat so anarchy didn't divide them. I'm with you, my nigga, Zaire conceded. Carter turned to Monroe. What about you? We got another flight to catch. What's it gonna be? Since Monroe's return, he had been the rebellious soul. Carter half expected him to buck against him once again. Instead, Monroe nodded. I'm with you, bro. Good. Carter opened the back door of the truck and climbed inside. Zaire and Monroe piled in behind him. By this time tomorrow, we'll be halfway around the world. So wait. Let me make sure I got this straight. They landed in the Caribbean, set the pilot up to be killed, Hopped into a limo or into an Escalade still in the Caribbean. Driven by two Arabian guys to drive them to an airplane that will take them to Saudi Arabia. They didn't need Arabian guys in the Caribbean to drive them to the airplane that will take them to Saudi Arabia. The airport probably ain't that fucking big. Are they going back within the Saudi Arabia? Are they like their handlers or something? I didn't ask. I, I didn't have to ask none of these questions. When I did dark corner. I didn't have to ask no questions. They had it all sewn up and the shit was all explained already. And it was just laid out and it was a fucking good book. I got to ask these questions. It's not a fucking good book. That's just the way this shit works out. Sometimes you got to read a fucking bad book. You got to ask questions. When you meet a, a, a good person, you ain't got to ask questions about where they are all the time. But if they fucked up four books in a goddamn row, then when they go out the fifth motherfucking book, you got to start asking questions as soon as they open up the door. Where are you going to? Are you going to Saudi Arabia? Why are you taking these niggas with you? Breathe's heart heartfelt, frozen. A plane crash. This is the other thing. Okay, so I'm looking at this page here in my Kindle. The entire fucking page is one paragraph long ass big ass paragraphs looking like a white woman's ass just long with no end because there's no ass there's no end it's just a long ass back that just curves at the end to show you that it's completed their crack doesn't even go nowhere I don't know how it works shit's weird it's just like a J but it don't go back up It's like a J that first graders make this a backwards L It's how this chapter is It's a long ass white woman ass White women If you're listening to this <laughs> <laughs> I just want to tell you I respect you As people But y'all know how y'all asses look Don't be insulted Go stand in the mirror Take a good look at your ass Exactly. Breeze's heart felt frozen. A plane crash. The, mo- the moment she. <laughs> My wife is laughing at me. I'm sorry. Breeze's heart felt frozen. A plane crash. The moment she had heard those words, her heart had stopped beating inside of her chest. It was like the blood refused to flow through her veins. Her fingertips are ice cold, her eyes void of emotion, and her mind blank. She literally had an icebox where her heart used to be. Of course, we go to Breeze first to see how she's suffering because Breeze is the best at suffering in this whole book. Breeze is like the MVP of suffering. Me and Moore's is like, fuck it, I know my nigga's okay, let's take over. Breeze is like, oh my god, a plane crash. Zaire's like, she's gonna die without me. Carter's like, my wife and my baby will be fine. Zaire's like, I taught her how to read. Why the fuck you going to Saudi Arabia with these niggas? Like, why can't I go? Like what the fuck are you doing out there? Like, I don't understand what the fuck you thinking. Like, why are they walking you across the airport? Like, can't you walk? Do they gotta hold your hand and shit? You gonna kill them too? Like, what exactly is the plan here? Shit. I wouldn't say this shit, but you literally made the entire fucking second book a fucking dream sequence. And so now I got to ask these questions of you. Yes, I trust you. I trust you gonna fuck some shit up. Don't get mad at me. Be mad at yourself. I didn't tell you to write that second fucking book. I didn't tell you to do that. Fuck ass. Yeah, I called you a fuck ass. Shut the fuck up. How could this have happened? Zaire Carter and Monroe were three of Miami's most powerful men, and they had been killed—not by a bullet a war, a rival, or even a cop, but by a mechanical error on a private plane. She sat still, staring out the window as a chauffeur Ben's truck pulled up to the church. It was the same church that her father's funeral had been held in. Now she was here years later, bearing not only the love of her life, but her brothers as well. I would never go back to that church. The Haitians literally hocked a loogie in your father's casket and jump kicked that shit over and then shot the fucking place up. That's one church we don't go to. We are not going to church of bullets in the wall, Kojic. That's one thing we ain't gonna do. I don't care what kind of offering they offer me as a refund. Not gonna do it. She wrote alone. It was how she preferred it. Since hearing of the tragedy, she didn't want to know one around her. She needed time. Space. Silence. She and Zaire had been beefing before he fled town. Their last words had been hostile ones, and it was a regret that she would live with for the rest of her life. What had once felt like not enough time, now felt like too much. With Zaire by her side, it seemed like life was not long enough to love him, to be with him. I forgot how dick-whipped these women are. Holy shit. <sighs> She had wanted a couple of forevers to bask in the joy he gave her. Now with him gone, she didn't want to go on another day, another year, let alone a lifetime without him. Tell me why, how can I live without you? I want to know, how can I be without you? If you let me know. (laughs) How can I How can I How can I live White woman, that's for you Like while you're standing in the mirror Trying to, you know Proportion yourself Have that song in your head Because you've been living without your ass your whole fucking life So anyway She was beginning to think that her family was cursed. Just now? You just now starting to think your family's cursed? (laughs) Really?
1: Are you serious?
0: No one she knew, no one with whom she shared blood had ever lived without looking over their shoulders. You're fucking drug dealers. You're not Jehovah's Witnesses. Cut that out. She was the last one standing. The only diamond left of her generation. Oh right, because she thinks money crashed. Okay, cool. A heavy burden had been placed on her shoulders and she could feel it weighing her down already. As the driver sat silently in the front seat, waiting for her to command to open the door, she sighed deeply. (sighs) Once she stepped out of the car, all eyes would be trained on her. News cameras, the ghetto grapevine, friends, foes, they would all be waiting her reaction. She had been young when her father had been murdered. She hadn't known the rules. Now she was well versed in the ways of the underworld. How? How? What? Where? She got kidnapped! For a whole book! For two whole books! When did she learn the rules of the underworld? Except that she could be a part of, like, she could be a prisoner of war. What did she learn? Don't try and make them level 99s when you've had them fighting rats the entire fucking game. That's not how this fucking works. She remembered how strong her mother had been during her father's funeral. And she vowed to be that strong today. If she was going to do that, however, she needed to get it all out now. Because there was no way she was going to let the world see her cry. She cleared her throat. Please lift the partition, she instructed. Driver, will you lift the partition, please? The driver nodded, and as soon as Bree saw the dark glass slide up, her soul bled through as a gut-wrenching cry came over her. <laughs> Lena held Carter Jr. in her arms as Monroe's air rested his curly head in her lap. Her red-rimmed eyes cloudy as she sniffled slightly. She wasn't ready for this day. Burying Monroe, well, what for, for what it's worth, you're not. You're not burying Monroe. You're just burying the idea of Monroe because there's no fucking body. And when you don't see a fucking body in this family, you should know that something the fuck is up. Like, they literally just faked their goddamn deaths. Why are they worried about this? They just did it. it just don't make no sense. Why the fuck didn't they just stay in the Bahamas? Why'd they come back? They never explained that either. They didn't. They never explained what the fuck Murder did when he got to the Bahamas. They never explained what the fuck Lena found when she went to the Bahamas. They didn't explain none of that. None. At all. Barry and Monroe. It was too soon. Light was not supposed to come to this. She had done this routine before and he had promised her that she would never have to see him lying in a casket again. She couldn't help but be mad that he had broken their pact. She hadn't bothered to put on makeup. She knew that her sorrows would do nothing but wash the charade of happiness away. She was shaking to her core. Her baby, their baby, was left without a father, and Lena didn't know she could do this alone. How can I live without you? She had gone through a lot being first Mecca, then Monroe's girl, but nothing had ever made her feel more alone than this. Where is Daddy. Now here's the problem with this part. See, they have where's daddy as a last line in that one. Like it's making you think that she's saying it to herself. Where's daddy? Like he, like she was calling him daddy. And then the next paragraph starts off with when her son asked the question, her entire body quaked. He was old enough to realize that Monroe wasn't around. He had missed his father and Lena's lip quivered as she searched for a response. Daddy's, she paused, unsure of what to say. She gripped her son's hand and took a deep breath. Get it together. You have to keep your shit together for your baby. You're all he's got now. Do not break down in front of him. She told herself. Remember when I told you about God and how he has angels by his side baby? There's no comma. It's just side baby. So God had Jesus, but Jesus wasn't his only child. We are also God's children. We are, in effect... His side babies. No? Okay, cool. Her son nodded innocently. Well, God loved Daddy so much that he needed him by his side baby. Daddy is resting now. He lives with God and we won't be able to see him anymore. More, he's always with you. What the fuck does that mean? More, he's almost with you. He's your guardian angel, and if, I can't even figure out what that means. I can't even surmise it. I'm sorry. More, he's always with you. He's your guardian angel, and if you close your eyes and listen to your heart, you'll feel him. He's always watching over you, baby. Do you understand? Monroe Jr. nodded and smiled as he closed his eyes, squeezing them tight as he said, I feel him, Mommy. I feel him. He opened his eyes excitedly. Close your eyes too, Mommy. hurry. Hurry. This kid's going to need fucking therapy. My mom told me to close my eyes and imagine that my dad was dead when my dad was really in the Bermuda Triangle hiding out from the feds because he had killed somebody. Do I get a sucker after this meeting? No? Okay. When Lena closed her eyes, she felt the tears drop out of the sides of them, but she didn't make a sound. Her heartbeat increased and she sobbed silently, not wanting her child to hear her grief. Keep them closed, baby. Just be with daddy for a little while, she said. She opened her eyes and saw her dry wrist extending a handkerchief to her. She mouthed the words, thank you, and wiped away her tears. Taking a deep breath, she said, okay, baby, it's time to go inside now. I love you. I love you too. The smile of her child put the strength in her legs that she needed to stand on her own too. You know, it's one thing to say I can stand on my own two feet, but it's another thing to read it as own two. It just looks, and and it's your own two feet, not her own two legs. I don't know. You can't stand on your legs. She reached into her bag and pulled out the Xanax she had been prescribed. She needed to take the edge off a bit. She placed it inside of her mouth and took a swig of her son's apple juice before she read it herself to face the world, or rather, the underworld of Miami. If only she knew that while in heaven, the family had ordered a reserved room for all of them to sit at a table by themselves and look down on everybody else and say, he going to be here soon. Don't even worry about it. And then two of them were like, yo, I got to get up and go get something real quick. I got to go to the bathroom. But really, they went back down to earth. I wonder if they're sitting up in heaven down like, damn, these motherfuckers. I didn't know I could do that. Why didn't somebody tell me I could do that? Did you know you could do that? Mia Moore sat behind the windows of the tinted Maybach. She was last in procession of fancy escorted cars. The fleet had cost them almost $50,000, but she had spared no expense. Bulletproof everything was not a luxury. It was a necessity. I'm sorry, I said that like they had a like they had a fucking comma there. Bulletproof everything was not a luxury, it was a necessity, and she took an extra measure of security by having Lena in the car with the kids because she knew that no one would target her. There were no commas in that entire sentence. They saw her as a grieving widow, not a member of the cartel. Lena would be the last to get hit if anything did go down. Mia Moore hadn't actually gotten time to process the plane crash just yet. She was in shock. So many things had fallen apart simultaneously that the only thing she could do was go on the autopilot. She was handling the feds, the organization of the memorial, a newborn baby, and a newborn baby. Am I the only one that that shit pops up for when I forget to put and after a comma it pops up with a big ass red line that says put and here? What the fuck happens when you type out a a, a book? Does it not tell you where to put stuff at? It was also overwhelming and time consuming that the fact that Carter was never coming home to her had not yet hit her. She would never see his face again and still no emotion had materialized within her. Not just yet. Mia Moore knew that once she allowed herself to feel, that she would feel it all, and falling apart was not an option at the moment. She would mourn him in private, after the memorial was over, but right now, she had to protect his legacy. She had to protect his seed, his sister, and what was left of her family. She clicked her gun off safety and placed it inside of her Chanel bag. She wanted to wear it on her body but the black Herve Ledger dress left no room for her to tuck it in inconspicuously. Mia Moore hoped she wouldn't have to use it, but in any case, she would be prepared to pop off. She at once walked into a cartel funeral with the intent to murder, so she didn't put it past anyone. The cartel was weakened by the death of their men. It was a perfect time for infiltration. She looked out of the window at the massive crowd that was filtering out of the church. Even the megachurch wasn't big enough to accommodate the amount of people that had come to pay their respects. Everyone was there. But not all who attended came out of love. She was sure a few enemies lingered in the crowd to confirm the deaths. The feds were lurking. She could sniff out the pig bastards from a mile away. Pig bastard! That's what I say when I'm eating bacon. You crunchy pig bastard! Pass the syrup for my pancakes to go with these crunchy pig bastards. They probably had dads. They were so obvious that she almost wanted to go and say hello. But the majority of the attendees were cartel affiliates. Wives, girlfriends, hustlers, runners, muscle groupies. Everyone was out and dressed to impress. If the mood wasn't so somber, it would have been a hell of a party. Even in death, Carter commanded respect. It was one of the many things she had loved about her man. She climbed out of the car and watched as Lena, Breeze, and the kids did the same. The bodyguard that Mia Moore had assigned to Lena and the younger ones escorted them in first as Breeze and Mia Moore trailed behind. Concealed behind designer shades, they all made their way into the church and with heavy hearts, they said goodbye to the men who rolled not only the streets of Miami, but their hearts like no one before them. Did you ever know that you're my hero? Wait, that there should be a space. So they didn't even, they, they go into the, okay. I would have thought there would have been a, a dot underneath that before they go to. It didn't feel like a funeral, Lena said. Their bodies, where are they? Am I the only one who feels like maybe this is a mistake? Maybe they're alive, so the I guess the memorial went without a hitch. They're not alive, Breeze said. No one could have survived that wreckage. And I've been to a funeral where there was a body, but no death, Mia Moore said, reminding them of Monroe's fake funeral years prior. We just have to accept what is. The kids are asleep. I'm going to bed. You're more than welcome to stay tonight if you want. Choose a room, she said, motioning to her massive mansion. She secretly hoped they would stay. With Carter gone, it felt ominously empty. Void of color, of life, of hope. Hope. No hope. She used to dream of filling every room with Carter's bobblehead babies. She imagined that their girls would have long curly coils and big brown eyes. Their boys would be dark and strong with serious temperaments like their father. Colorism. Now, she saw nothing. She couldn't even imagine what tomorrow would look like, yet alone foresee so far into the future time stood still death would do that to you she remembered the healing process when her sister was murdered it had taken years for her to get over the loss feeling hurt every moment of every day made days feel like weeks and weeks like months it was all just so unbearable it was worse than any physical torture she had ever encountered she would need something to help her sleep through the night and a bottle of wine was the only remedy She walked into the finished basement and then down another set of stairs where Carter had insisted on building a wine cellar. She would have preferred a gun chamber, but his incessant passion for fine wine had quickly rubbed off on her. She grabbed a vintage bottle. It was one that he would have never allowed her to open had he been alive. She pulled it down and she thought, you shouldn't have died on me. Seriously? Seriously? A tear fell down her face as she carried it up to the basement. She couldn't wait till she got upstairs. She sat at the basement bar and frantically uncorked the bottle as she poured herself a full glass. I guess she ain't breastfeeding. As the bitter redness entered her mouth, she felt her emotional dam breaking. She lowered her head as she gripped her wine and let her tears flow. Finally, it hit her. Carter wasn't there to chastise her over his expensive bottle of wine wasn't there to hold her to love her to help her find her way as a new mother because you know he knows how to guide new mothers into being good mothers he takes hood mothers and makes them good mothers he leads them to the path of maternity he leads them down the path of being a thought into being a thoughtful mother She was by herself. It was how she had started out. She almost wished she had never loved Carter because losing him was worse than never having him at all. Then why did you stay away for all those years? Like, how the fuck did you find him anyway? She wished she had a fast forward button to push her past this part. When she felt pain, she liked to inflict pain. But as a new mother, she could no longer follow that pattern. Mia Moore was in uncharted territory. She didn't know how to be this girl. She didn't know how to live this life without Carter there to guide her. She had become the kind of woman he could trust. But now that he was gone, she didn't trust herself. She had loved him so hard that she had lived her life in accord to his liking, but he was gone now. Where does this leave me, she thought sadly. Before she knew it, the entire bottle of wine was empty and she was twerking. I'm kidding. Before... (laughs) Before she knew it, the entire bottle of wine was empty and she had cried so many tears that her eyes burned. She hated being so weak. It didn't suit her. She walked upstairs, bumping the walls along the way from her drunken state. She wasn't for this sulking shit. Her emotions were getting the best of her and she didn't like it. She located her Chanel bag and pulled out her pistol. She was glad that the memorial had gone peacefully, but the pop-off queen in her needed a release. The fuck is a pop-off queen? She found Breeze sniffling quietly on her living room sofa. You're still awake? Mia Moore asked. Duh! She's literally sitting on your sofa. Like, that's a horrible question. If I ask you if you're asleep, then there's only one answer you can give me, right? I am now. I'm awake now. Punk fuck. Can't sleep, Breeze responded with a shrug. The evidence of her loss was written all over her face. Come on, Mia Moore said. She went to the hall closet and pulled down a case that held a 9mm inside. She passed to Breeze. What are you doing? Breeze asked, confused. Showing you the perfect stress reliever. Follow me, she answered. Mia Moore led Breeze out of the back of the house and into the vast yard. Where the hell are we going? Breeze asked. Whenever I feel overwhelmed, I come out here, Mia Moore said. The amount of land that they had was unbelievable. Huge lots weren't common in Miami, but Mi'amore had acres. Carter wanted a large yard and a big house to raise his family in. But today it hurt to even breathe the air inside. When they were far enough from the house, Mi'amore stopped walking and pointed to a ledge that held bottles on top. Pulling a trigger is a stress reliever for me, she admitted. Figures, Breeze shot back with a smirk. Let's go ahead and test your theory. Breeze aimed. Boom! She hit nothing. Miamor chuckled. We need to work on your aim. I thought Zaire taught you how to shoot. Not in the middle of the night, Bree said. Give me a break. You're drunk. You probably can't do any better. Miamor aimed. Boom! The glass broke as Miamor hit her mark effortlessly. Breeze threw her hands up, incredulously causing Mia more to laugh out loud. What the fuck? Do y'all believe in commas? I'm just asking. You know. <coughs> hi, I'm Derek. Um, I'm here to ask if you've heard of our Lord and Savior, comma. Do you believe in him? Do you believe in what he can do for your story? No? You're agnostic? Okay, cool. Do you have some time next week where we can come and sit down and I can show you what a real good fucking book looks like with a fucking comma every once in a while in it? No? Okay, cool. Breeze threw her hands up incredulously, causing Mia Moore to laugh out loud. Her laughter turned into cries as Breeze's eyes watered. The two women embraced, leaning on one another. They were sisters. Not by blood, but by street law. And at this moment, all they had was each other. And, you know, the baby that was upstairs. In the house. Probably alone, because we don't know if she if if Lil if, if Carter is in Lena's bed <sighs> Chapter two DEA is all over us. The workers are snitching. They have photos and evidence. Breeze. Four weeks later. Mia Moore sat in her son's nursery as she swayed gently in the wooden rocker. Her emotions were all over the place. Here she was, holding the newborn child of the man that she was supposed to spend the rest of her days with, yet he was gone. It seemed as if they had just reunited. They hadn't had enough time together before Carter was taken away. A plane crash, she whispered, still in disbelief. She was still getting used to being a mother. Her body, her emotions, her view on the world, it had all changed the moment she gave birth. She had prepared herself for her life to alter drastically, but not in this way. She would never get used to raising her child alone. All she wanted was forever with Carter, but it seemed that forever was elusive. Bars! Forever is elusive. Get that tatted on the back of your neck. Mia Moore wanted to break down, but everything seemed to land on her shoulders. With the absence of the male heads of the cartel, the empire was in need of leadership. Breeze had come up around the game, but she had never been a player in it. She was a pampered princess. All she knew was the money and the reputation that she got from being affiliated. She knew nothing of the stripes that it took to lead an army of street niggas. Then there was Lena, a pretty face who had stood on the arms of made men for years. She had been around. But Mia Moore was almost sure that she was just like the average hustler's wife. She knew no details. Lena wasn't straight, but could still prove valuable because she was sharp, and she seemed to be loyal. Still, she lacked the raw courage that it took to run things. In an organization as infamous as a the cartel, there couldn't be weakness. Mia Moore was used to running with a pack of thoroughbreds. Lena and Breeze were a far cry from the murder mamas. Mia Moore had trusted them with her life and she wasn't sure a Breeze and Lena could compare. The doorbell rang, causing Mia Moore's body to tense. Her son was so in tune with her body that he erupted with cries simultaneously. Shh, she whispered as she stood to her feet, her maternal instinct to protect kicking in. Shh, it's okay. She ran into the panic room that was attached to the nursery and put in the code quickly, her hands shaking violently. Mia Moore was normally so rational, so meticulous, but having another life to look out for beside her own made her emotional. Just the ring of a doorbell scared her. Normally, the security cameras would have announced the identity of whoever was ringing her doorbell, but the feds had disarmed all her cameras when they had hit her with the warrant. The streets knew that Carter was gone. There was no telling who would come to her door trying to usurp her kingdom. Mia Moore was on edge. She placed her baby in the bassinet inside the panic room and then rushed to the safe. With her hands free, she calmed herself slightly. as She punched in the combination. She grabbed the loaded three, five, seven, out the safe and rushed out. Locking her crying child securely inside. It was time to get loose. Ooh, I want to get loose.
1: Party, I'll get
0: down. Sorry, I'm going to look that shit up after I finish this book. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. Nothing good could possibly come to her at that hour. And whoever was at the door was about to feel her wrath. Mia Moore rushed to the door and pulled it open swiftly, ready to pop off because, you know, she's a pop-off queen. Her gun aimed, arm steady. Whoa, whoa! Mia Moore popped off, shooting past the kid's ear, only missing his head by an inch.
1: Who the fuck are you?
0: she asked. The kid grimaces; his mouth fell open from the deafening ringing in his ear. Whoa, Ma, chill out. Fuck, you gonna blow my fucking eardrum? Who are you, Fem Nikita or some shit? You busting that niggers? The guy responded with his hand still raised to show he had come in peace. You got five seconds to tell me who you are and why you at my doorstep in the middle of the night. She demanded, voice cold, finger wrapped securely around the trigger. I'm a friend. My name is Fly Boogie. I was with Zaire the day that he ran from the feds. I distracted the cops so Zaire could go to meet Carter and Monroe. I swear on everything I'm a friend. I ran one of the trap spots, Fly Boogie said. The words flew from his mouth so quickly that Moore knew they had to be true. He was fearful of his life. He wanted to give her no reason to pull the trigger. Can I put my hands down now? Mia Moore eyed him suspiciously and then grabbed his collar and put him against a brick wall. Her pistol kissed the back of his skull. She felt his waistline for a gun. He wasn't carrying. I don't got shit on me. I just got out of county. They locked me up for the high speed chase I took him on the day it all went down. Look, I know it's late and I shouldn't have come, but I came here as soon as I let a nigga out. I received this postcard in prison. Your address was the return address, but there was no message written on it. I know the game. Seems like I was supposed to deliver this to you. Mia Moore lowered her gun, and Fly Boogie lowered his hands while breathing a sigh of relief. She snatched the postcard out of his hand. She knew that he was right. This was no incident. As my wife just pointed out to me. The fuck is an incident? This is no incident. Do you mean coincidence? Hey love, uh, hey love, uh, this is more than a ush. It's ten, ten. Where are you in? See how stupid that sounds? Incident. Fucking. She hadn't sent the postcard and there was only one other person who could have. He's alive, she thought. There's actually two because Carter didn't hang with fucking Fly Boogie like that. Zaire did. Just saying. She looked down at it and saw a desert oasis printed on the front of it. How the fuck did he know that he was still locked up anyway? How the fuck he know he didn't die? He didn't stay. He didn't stick around to see what was going to happen next. They hopped on a plane and dipped. Her hand shot to her mouth, covering it in disbelief. Are they in Saudi Arabia? Could this be for real? Could they really grasp this just from a postcard? Does the front of the postcard say hello from Saudi Arabia in it? Because you know what? You know where else they have sand? Fucking Miami! How the fuck she know it in Saudi Arabia? Hmm? Hmm? Who figured that out? Who told her? how she know that? Are we going to explain that real quick? Nope. She thought as she read the wording on the front. Her worry transformed into relief as the ball of tension in her body had become melted. She looked up at Fly Boogie, unable to stop the tears from glistening in her eyes. Thank you, she said. Thank you for not blowing my brains out, he replied with a sense of humor before walking off the porch. Mia closed the door, locking it securely behind him. She rushed upstairs, heart pounding, eyes clouding with tears of uncertainty. Oh my God, please let him be alive. Let this postcard mean what I think it does, she thought as hope flared in her chest. She rushed up the stairs to retrieve her son and then picked up the phone to call Breeze. She paced back and forth, child in one hand, and she held the cell to her ear. Mia Moore? The rasp in Breeze's voice cracked in the late night hour and she cleared her throat. I can't speak to you over the phone. Call Lena. Come now. It's important. Yeah, because the feds are listening and they're not going to be intrigued by those words. Mia Moore hung up the phone before she could receive protests. She wouldn't have taken no for an answer. She was used to leading. And if Lena and Breeze wanted the legacy of the cartel to continue, they had to get used to following. Within the hour, Breeze and Lena arrived with Little Monroe in tow. Miamore took the sleeping toddler from Lena's arms. I'll put him upstairs in my bed, she whispered. After ensuring that he was comfortable, she joined the ladies in the kitchen. The smell of mocha thickened the air as Breeze grinded fresh coffee beans. We'll need it, Breeze said when Miamore entered the room. Seems like it's gonna be a long night. Lena leaned over the island that sat in the middle of the room. She folded her hands atop the counter as she looked up at Miamore anxiously. What's going on, Mia Moore? Mia Moore pulled the postcard out of her pocket of her Ralph Lauren plaid pajama pants. Plaid pajama pants. Sorry, y'all. I just. That's a tongue twister. I like it. She slid it across the counter. Lena picked it up and turned it over, surveying the front and back. Frowning confusion, she said, You made me pull my son out of his bed at 2 in the morning to look at a postcard. What are we doing? Taking a vacation? Breeze crossed the room and took the postcard out of Lena's hands. Saudi Arabia, she read. Her brow furrowed. A little nigga named Fly Boogie dropped it off here. Mia Moore started. Breeze nodded. I've heard Zaire mention the name before.
1: So they really did send a postcard that said Saudi Arabia on the front.
0: Not only that, they sent a postcard that said Saudi Arabia on the front to a jail where it's their job to literally view all the mail that's going to people.
1: Thank you, that was gonna be my next point. I'm like, you don't think that they're going to look at known associates, they're not going to even think that, oh, he was with this, like they didn't put the connection between him and Zaire together. I guess clearly they didn't because if they did, then there would be no way. Unless they're playing the long game and they're like, we going to see what he does with it. I just don't get it. Like, why would you send that?
0: We're literally telling each other that the ladies, Zaire, Carter, and and Money are all telling each other that the ladies are going to have to hold it down their own because we have to move to an entirely different country because the first place they're going to go to to look for us in the Caribbean. Let's send a postcard to jail that the feds are watching to one of our niggas who they know is our right-hand man because they lifted him up out of a car that was ours and gave him a postcard that says Saudi Arabia, that he will then drive to Carter's house. If nothing else if nothing else they would have saw that the address on the card was Carter's home address and from that point they would have been like red flags red flags red flags fuck it not even red flags the 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 fucking kill bill siren would have played but no nothing because they think everybody's stupid in this book. Except for Carter. And maybe Zaire. Because Carter taught him. Breeze nodded. I've heard Zaire mention the name before. Myanmar continued. He said it was sent to him anonymously. I think Carter's in Saudi Arabia. With Monroe. And Zaire. I put the pause in there because they actually put dots because they wanted you to have pause between and Zaire. That means in the next sentence, which I didn't even look down at, Breeze is gonna fall the fuck out, find out that Zaire's alive, and now she's not alone anymore, or something like that. And how fucking stupid is Lena? Why are we going on vacation? The other two got it. What you trying to say about Lena, writers? Is there a pecking order here? Is Lena at the bottom of the bunch? The entire room seemed to freeze as Lena and Breeze looked up at her, eyes wide, mouth open and shocked from the possibility. Lena shook her head in denial. They found a plane in the middle of the ocean, Myanmar, she whispered. They couldn't have survived a plane crash. What if they were never on it? They didn't recover any bodies, Breeze said hopefully. I know Carter. He's reaching out to me. This postcard says nothing, but it says so much all at the same time. It isn't flashy, it isn't loud, it isn't anything that can be traced, but it's enough. It's a whisper that only I can hear. And Breeze, because Breeze pretty much cracked it right alongside. Oh, fuck it. I think Carter's alive. They all are, but they can't come back here unless that case goes away. Exasperated breeze cuz they didn't put a, a comma. Exasperated breeze flopped down on that that sounds like a gamer tag. Exasperated breeze flopped down on one of the bar stools along the kitchen island. You know what an exasperated breeze sounds like? An exasperated breeze sounds like this. I'm hot, mommy. I'm hot, mommy. That's an exasperated breeze. D.A.'s all over us. The workers are snitching. They have photos and evidence. The case is strong, Lena finished. If their return depends on that, we'll never see him again. The case has to go away, Mi'amore said. And then what, Lena asked. I'm so tired of this life. This isn't how I envision my life. Even if this case goes away and they get to come back, it's only a matter of time before something else tears his family apart. I don't know about the two of you, but I've had enough of the drug business. We have money. We have respect. It's time to move on from this. Yes, you have money and you have respect. But you know what you don't have? Power. Money, power, respect. That's the key to life. Money, power, respect is all you need in life. Money, power, respect. Money, Black folks know what I'm talking about. White women are probably still staring in the mirror like, if I do this, if I turn this way. (laughs) Breeze was quiet as she pondered Lena's words. The cartel had been her life for as long as she could remember. She had been born into it. Continuing the legacy allowed her father to live on, even in death. But was it worth it? By honoring their father, their family was diminishing before Breeze's fairy eyes. The streets would eventually make the Diamond Clan extinct. She's right. It's time for a change, Breeze thought. And you know, I guess that was a dream sequence where um, Carter was like, I'm going to build a casino in Arizona and he was going to take Mecca and Zaire with them to start down there and work the mafia. I think that was in the Murder Mamas book. But if that's what was going on in the dream sequence, and that means that that's what me and Moore wants to do which means all y'all want to get out the game but i bet you me and Moore don't say it the guys aren't here to guide our footsteps ladies it's time that we make the decisions that we think are best for this family it's time to take the cartel legit i don't want to lose any more loved ones i want to live without worry and as long as we're in the drug business that will never happen the three women sat in silence each haunted by their own thoughts the ache in their hearts from their missing partners resonated within them. Me and Moore looked around at their fractured group. They needed their men back. I'll make this case disappear, one way or the other. After bringing the men home, we'll talk about getting out the game For good. She's going to call the murder mamas. Okay, cool. Let's just get them all together. Murder mamas need to come back anyway. We'll go from there. Aries and whatever the other one's name is that she didn't fucking like. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. a review on Podchaser. Copy and paste that shit into Apple Podcasts. Copy and paste that shit into Good Pods. Thank you to everybody who's checking us out on Good Pods and on Podchaser. I greatly appreciate it. Also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, I... Right. Me and them got beef. They still ain't fixed one of my logos for one of my podcasts. They know which one it is. I sent them like six pictures, including one of um, them butt naked with a lampshade over their head, but that didn't convince them to do shit. I don't know how that works in the movies. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com sscast or on the Good Pods app, you can go to our tip jar. Uh, All money will go towards buying books for this show or buying movies for hindsight. Because just like we talk about the Carter on here, we watch movies over there that... Sheesh. Sheesh. Anyhow, thank y'all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate you. Boo greatly appreciate you. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. (laughs)